Commit your life to the Lord completely and stay consistent. There'll come a time. It might not be fast. It might, it might not be over overnight. But God is gonna bless you, and it will make you to be prospered and successful in life spiritually. Good morning. So good to be here in the house of the Lord with you. Uh, let's turn to Second Kings chapter eighteen. The passage that we just read. And you might ask what I am doing here in Canada. Um, Probably you heard about me, uh, how the Lord has been leading me to come to Vancouver to work with Pastor Ben Turner and uh, have evangelistic meetings to Persians. Uh, So we had uh, uh, July 16th and 19th, four days of meetings and And we saw the Lord work. We had about 50 Persians uh, visited and uh, heard the gospel. And I preached. I covered uh, how the Bible is not corrupted as Muslims claim that it is corrupted. So I had to prove from the Quran and from the Bible, from both books, holy books, that there is no evidence anywhere. The Quran doesn't claim that the Bible has been corrupted. And uh, the Bible proves. Promises. In fact, Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. No, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then shall the end come. Before the end of the world, Jesus said, this gospel will be preached everywhere. So uh, Jesus never told a lie. He cannot tell a lie, so we can trust him. So that means the gospel, the, the Bible, in fact, uh, the Muslims call Christian holy book, they call it gospel. Uh, and uh, Torah, they think that there is a book that God gave to uh, Moses called Torah, and then there's a, another book, different book God gave to Jesus, just one book called gospel, not gospels, gospel. And then there's another book that God gave to uh, David, Psalms, Zabur, they call them, Psalm. And then the last book, the fourth book, the final revelation of God is Quran. So with the coming of Quran, uh, all other books were kind of uh, done away. We don't need that then because God has given us a new revelation. So I had to deal with that. And, and then Trinity, because unpard- unpardonable sin in Islam is to call Jesus the Son of God or associate partner with God. When you say Jesus is the Son of God and you say that Jesus is God, that means you have two gods. Uh, you, you worship another god beside the true God, so that's a blasphemy, and you go to hell by calling Jesus the Son of God. In fact, it's other way around in Christianity. Jesus said, if you not believe that I am, you shall die in your sins. Uh, in your sin, that means you're going to go to hell. So the first things I tell this to JWs, I said, if you not believe that he is, that's Jehovah, he's Jehovah, you will go to hell. You're going to die with your sins. And I said, I used to be a Muslim, and I realized that he is not a prophet. He is God. And I stirred them all the time. And this JW, we, we, uh, we start arguing, debating, and we get nowhere because they don't, they blinded. So anyway, uh, so we saw uh, 13 people getting saved. And uh, then I heard just yesterday, the day before, a lady told me that another lady who, who came with them, she was lost. She didn't come to the altar. She never got, got saved. But 
apparently she prayed. When I gave an invitation, she prayed in her heart and received Jesus as her Savior, she told. I, I think that's if she told others about what she did in her, in her heart, I think she is sincere. So 14 people got saved, and I'm so rejoicing, thanking the Lord for what he did here in Vancouver. So the Lord has been using uh, my media ministry uh, to reach Iran and Afghanistan, Tajikistan. And apart from me, my media ministry, the Lord has been leading me to travel overseas. So I started church in Sydney, Australia, preached for six years, and then came here to to record messages and get them to those three countries through media. But the, then I mentioned in the video that the Lord led me to go to Armenia, and we, we saw 20 souls getting saved. Last year, I took my family. We went to Turkey for three months. We stayed there for three months to plant the church uh, with one of my disciples that I've been discipling for four years. And not only we planted a church there, but we had a conference at the end we wanted to reach out to more Persians there. And uh, some people traveled from south of Turkey, and they, they came. They were so touched. And, and then they said, what are we going to do now? We're going back to our town, to south of Turkey. There's no church to go to. It was like Macedonian call, come and help us. And the Lord clearly led us to go to Denizli, to south of Turkey, and and we had another conference there, and we saw 23 people get, getting saved there and, so, and baptized, and, and we established second church in Turkey. Uh, and uh, so the Lord has been just leading, guiding us, seeing souls getting saved, and Iranians are open to the gospel. I went to Tajikistan to train some Afghani believers, and we saw souls getting saved there in Turkey, in, Afga in uh, Tajikistan as well. Uh, they are open to the gospel because they have seen what Islam has done to our country, destroying Iran and Afghanistan. More people are getting sick of religion of Islam. They, they know that there is no answer in Islam. Islam is not blessing us. There is no assurance of salvation in Islam. So they are seeking the truth. Uh, but sadly, we don't have Baptist preachers. Uh, going to tell them how to be saved. And I'm traveling everywhere, and I'm seeing people getting saved. I'm like, man, I, I can't do it on my own. I, we need more laborers to send to other countries and everywhere to preach the gospel. So the Lord has burdened me to tra train more preachers. So we've been praying about uh, doing home studio, like TV home studio in our basement. Uh, and my mission board approved the project. We are raising the funds for it. And we already started uh, finishing the basement, and, and we're going to do a studio set, and then we're going to get equipment, cameras, and, and computer, microphone, everything to do a professional, uh, decent TV studio to be able to record messages and train laborers online. And uh, so pray that the Lord would help us to train more. We need more laborers for sure. As Jesus said, harvest is plenteous. Labors are few. So thank you so much for uh, uh, inviting us to come, Pastor. I appreciate your, uh, uh, your heart to have me come and present, preach. And, and it's a privilege to preach the Word of God at these times. So let's, um, uh, let's uh, read this passage. We, we read it, actually. Uh, I'm going to talk about commitment, but I'm going to pray first and then and start preaching. Lord, thank you for this time you've given us. Lord, it is a sacred time, Lord, uh, that you sanctified and you separated this time to meditate upon your word. 
and what you have done in the past, uh, that we would le learn a lesson that you are doing it right now, you will do it in the future because you are the same God. And Lord, we can trust you. You are able. Nothing is impossible with you, Lord. So, Lord, we pray that you would speak to each heart. Encourage us, Lord, and if there is any rebuke, rebuke us and help us to get right with you and that we would serve you. So bless this hour, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to speak about commitment. Commitment is a very important topic. It's like a button that holds two pieces together. So when you make a commitment to the Lord, it's like you make a decision, you talk to God. There is some certain areas in your life that there's something lacking or maybe you have sin, habitual sin in your life and you want to get rid of it. Uh, you commit that to the Lord. You want to get right with God. Or God is calling you to a mission field or to do some ministry here in this area and uh, you want to respond to God's call and you make decision. You commit that to the Lord. So your word uh, holds you and God together and you need to be faithful and you need to be good stewards uh, of what God has entrusted you already. He has called you and you need to be faithful to God. And God is going to bless you if you commit your life to the Lord. I, uh, so we're going to look at this uh, uh, life of Hezekiah, he, how he was committed. And we're going to learn a lesson from him. But commitment is something that even secular uh, people know about, this power of commitment. Tony Robbins, for example, he said, there is no abiding success without commitment. Absolutely. You cannot be successful. Even as a businessman, if you don't care about your business, if you don't work towards your business, you're not going to make good money. You're not going to prosper. You're not going to be successful. Um, Ralph Ellison said, it takes a deep commitment to change and even deeper commitment to grow. It's same, same thing. It's it's true to Christianity. If you don't commit your life to the Lord, you're not going to come to church. You're not going to come to Bible studies to learn about God, to grow in your faith. Even secular authors say that without, um, it, it needs uh, a commitment, deep commitment to change, and even deeper commitment to grow. So we're going to look at the life of Hezekiah. He was 25 years old, and he became a king. And Bible says he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. He's 25 years old. The kings before him didn't do right in the sight of the Lord. Many of them did evil. Some of them did okay. They did, they did right in the sight of the Lord, but they compromised many of them uh, in some area. Like Jehoshaphat, we, we read um, uh, this Sunday school hour that he, he did right in the sight of the Lord, but he compromised. He went to Ahab, ungodly king who was worshiping idols, and he wanted to uh, be aligned with him and, and to fight against Syria and so on. And so he was compromising with ungodly. He, was, he said, um, uh, shall, you, uh, shall you love, the Lord, uh, love those who hate the Lord? Something like that. You should not love those who hate the Lord. Um, so he, he was 25 years old. I, imagine at that age you are young, but you are full of authority and power. You become a king and you're reigning over a nation. Um, average person would be so arrogant. They would abuse their authority and power that they've been entrusted with. But this king, he was not. He was humble. 
He looked at kings before him. His father Ahaz, Bible says that he passed his sons through fire uh, to Babylonian gods. And he looked and he was looking at his father. His brothers were gone one by one. They were offered to this pagan god and, and his father killed them, destroyed them. And he's, he's looking, am I next? Is he going to offer me to this pagan idol? Is he going to kill me? And other kings before Ahaz, they, most of them did evil in the sight of the Lord. But he learned a lesson. And he wanted to commit himself to the Lord. And we're going to look at commitment in his life. Look at verse 3 to 5. Uh, number one point that I have that we're going to learn from his life is commit, uh, complete commitment. The commitment must be complete. Verse 3, And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that David his father did. So what did he do that it was right in the sight of the Lord? Look at verse 4. He removed the high places and break the images and cut down the groves and break in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made. For unto those days the children of Israel did burn incense to it, and he called it Nehushtan. So these high places, we went to Turkey uh, last year, and you see this mosque fascinating, this outstanding buildings, these Muslims built on top of hill, most of them, and you see them like, wow, this big building over there, you can see it from everywhere. And there is another one over there, another one there. There are so many mosques, you see them everywhere. They are so committed to Allah. They worship and they go to these mosques that are built on high places, and they think that they are getting closer to God by building these uh, uh, mosques on the top of hill. So these high places were uh, places that they burned incense to, to uh, Babylonian gods. And in fact, kings before uh, Hezekiah, most of them did that. They went there and priests even, priests of high, most, uh, most high God, they also went there to burn incense and uh, they were compromising, worshipping Jehovah, and at the same time worshipping idols. Uh, they were keeping these high places, most kings, because to remove it, you might lose your kingdom. The, uh, the priests would be against you, and uh, all elites and everybody would be against you. And uh, so they were compromising. They, they were keeping these high places. But King Hezekiah, 25 years old, he wasn't even old, young, he removed the high places. He didn't care about these priests and elites and all people worshipping there. He said, we're not going to worship idols in this land. We want to get back to Jehovah alone. He is the only one who created us. He is our God. And he wanted to commit his life and his nation only to the Lord, to worship him alone. He broke the images. He knew that this is breaking the second commandment, worshipping idols, even he broke those, um, the serpent that Moses had made. And people thought that this is, this is sacred. This is what Moses, our uh, founder, founder of Judaism, he made. This is something that healed so many people in the wilderness. So he's going to heal us. Let's pray to So they worshipped him, and, but he broke it. He, he called it Nehushtan, means great Satan. He's like, you worshipping great Satan, not God. This is not sacred. This is man-made. It's an object, and you cannot worship it. Uh, God used it in one place. It wasn't that serpent, this brazen serpent healed people. It was God's word. They trusted in God's word, and they did what God did, said to them. 
and uh, so they were healed. And so he would lose his kingdom for doing these things, removing high places and breaking that sacred. Every, every Jew probably knew how sacred that was. And he would lose his kingdom. But look at verse 5. He didn't care if he lost his kingdom. He said he trusted in the Lord God of Israel. He trusted in the Lord. No matter what, if he lost his kingdom, he said, so be it. I'm going to worship only Jehovah. So, so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor any that were before him. So you see, he trusted in the Lord completely. So commitment must be complete. Uh, somebody came to Jesus. He said, suffer me first to go and bury my father, and then I'll come and worship you and follow, follow you. And Jesus said, suffer uh, dead to bury their deads. And if you want to follow me, you have to come follow me right away, right now. Uh, in fact, possibly his, his father wasn't dead, obviously. His father probably was rich, and he wanted to wait for his father to die, so he would inherit some, some money, so he would have money to serve the Lord um, with uh, full hand. Or perhaps his father... Would have been against him if he followed Jesus, being average Jew against Jesus. Many of them were, and he wanted for for his wait for his father to die, so he would serve the Lord without any persecution. So, there's something in our lives that hinders us most most of the time, that we don't want to commit our lives to the Lord. There's something, maybe comfort. In our lives here in Canada, we have Canadian dream, um, probably. I'm not sure if you have one here. When I was in Australia, uh, they said Australian dream. And I, I've been living in America for five years now, and they call it American dreams. And probably you have Canadian dream here. I'm not sure if you do. But people want to have ease and comfort and luxury, and they don't want to give up those comfort to go to third world country to serve the Lord. And lacking many things in this life. So there's something we want to uh, we wanna have it in life. So we don't want to commit to the Lord completely. So imagine if I sing this song, this hymn, famous hymn like this. Half to Jesus I surrender, half to Him I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him in His presence daily live. I surrender half, I surrender half. Have to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender have. You might laugh this morning, but if you're honest with yourself, there's something in our lives that we don't want to surrender. We don't want to commit that to the Lord completely. We, we want to retain it because that gives us joy or entertainment or uh, you want ease and comfort. There's something or there's a habitual sin that you don't want to give up to serve the Lord completely. So we have to be honest, and you should not sing, I surrender all. You have to say, I surrender half. May God help us to, to surrender all, even this morning. Partial surrender is sin. It's not commitment at all. So number one, complete commitment. Uh, Hezekiah was committed to the Lord completely. He didn't care about people, what people thought. He didn't want to please man. He wanted to please God, so he removed the high places. He wanted to serve the Lord alone. And number two, the point two that I have is consistent commitment. 
It must be consistent. Verse 6. Look at verse 6. For he clave to the Lord and departed not from following, following him, but kept his commandment, which the Lord commanded Moses. You see, he clave to the Lord and departed not. He was consistent all, all his life. You look at the life of Solomon. He served the Lord for many years, and he, he wrote um, many books of the Bible, three of them. But that, at the end of his life, he compromised. He served other gods of his wives, 700 wives, and their idols. So many, he had so many gods. And uh, you look at the life of Billy Graham. He preached the gospel for decades, but at the end of his life, he compromised that pure gospel. So many people are compromising, uh, but there are so, so few people, they commit their lives to the Lord to the end. Your commitment must be consistent. Um, I'm think, thinking of um, a, a man in Australia, I'm calling him Joe, that's not his real name, but Joe, he was a good Christian, he was raised in a Christian family, he was an Australian man, he came to America, he went to America, uh, graduated from a good fundamental Bible college, and he went back to Australia, and uh, he was there at Liberty Baptist Church where I got saved, and we were serving together, and we were going out together, knocking on doors and preaching on the street, and, and uh, just serving the Lord together for many years, and he was inspiring me a lot. He was on fire for the Lord. And both of us, we were at the same age, and we were praying for a wife and after a few years, nothing happened. The Lord didn't provide us wife. And he was praying for a wife who would be blonde and beautiful. Beautiful, obviously. There's nothing wrong with blonde and beautiful girl. There's nothing wrong with a black-haired girl or, or whatever. Uh, God created them all, and they are all beautiful. But he was praying for this specific blonde girl and beautiful girl, and nothing happened. After a few years, he decided to go to a church uh, that have blonde and beautiful girl. Uh, and so he went to Hillsong Church uh, that is a few minutes away from where we lived in Sydney. And they have a mega church, like 10,000 people probably, at least 10,000 people go there. And the church is like massive building and, and it's dark inside. The, the wall you see, it's not white like you have. It's dark black and, and uh, very little light. And you see smoke machine everywhere. I'm like, Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. How, what kind of church is that? you painting a black that represents Satan, power of darkness, prince of the air. So anyway, he went there looking for a wife <clears throat> after two, three years. And they, they have so many blonde girls there. And boys, uh, it's like a good place for dating. If you want to find girlfriend, boyfriend. And there are so many bad testimonies I, I've heard and watched on YouTube about how they abuse uh, believers there in, in that church, just leaders there. It's, it's horrible. It's not church. It's not church that would honor God. Anyway, so he went there after a few years. Still, he couldn't find a wife, and then he dropped out of church altogether. He claimed to be agnostic today, and he's like active, claiming to be agnostic, and he, 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 he rejects the Bible and, and, and Jesus and everything. He was not consistent. He served the Lord for 30, 35 years, uh, and, uh, but he was not consistent. The commitment must be consistent. King Hezekiah was, he claved to the Lord, and he departed not from following him. Solomon departed from following 
the Lord. And uh, Joe departed from following the Lord. But may the Lord help us not to depart from God because He is the source of life. If you want blessing, comfort, peace in your life, joy, He's the Prince of Peace and He's going to give you joy abundantly. If you're gonna, if you want to go in the world to find some joy and peace in your heart, I promise you that you're not gonna find. Uh, we are so shocked. My wife and I, we came to Canada. We've been here for a month. We are shocked how bad this country is. America is going down. It's not getting better. But Canada is so bad. We see LGBTQ flags everywhere. We see people, drug addicts, like bandit. So many. And my wife is saying, why are they bended? I'm like, because of drugs. They destroy your body. Satan promises, you know, that you're going to be entertained and you're going to be high and feel happy, not knowing that he's trying to destroy you through that bait, drug. So um, it's destroying this country. And we must serve the Lord and commit our lives to the Lord because he's going to bless us. And I've been blessed. I have not missed the church Last 14 years that the Lord saved me out of Islam. And I love him. I know that he is the light of the world. I was in darkness in Islam. There was no joy. The more I prayed uh, towards Mecca and practiced Islam, the more depressed I became. But Jesus has lifted up that burden of sin and is giving me light. And I'm rejoicing. And I'm like, I I want this all my life. I don't want to depart from this. Because I know I've been to, to the world for three years I lived as a secular in Australia. I experienced that life. There is nothing there. It gives you depression. Uh, there is life at church. This is where you hear the preaching of God's word. And you are blessed. And, and God is changing your heart. And he's drawing uh, uh, you to himself. And so last point that I have is rewarded commitment. The commitment that is complete and consistent it will be rewarded. Look at verse 7 and 8. Because he was commit, uh, his com- commitment was complete and consistent, it says, And the Lord was with him. And he prospered whithersoever he went forth. And he rebelled against the king of Assyria and served him not. He smote the Philistines even unto Gaza and the borders thereof, from the tower of the watchman to the fenced city. You see, because he was committed to the Lord completely and he was consistent, the Lord was with him. He prospered him. He gave him success. Uh, They were uh, before him, the kings before him, they were under the bondage. They were giving tributes to Assyria. And now he became king. He rebelled against Assyria. And he said, we're not going to serve Assyrians. We're not going give to give our tithes to Assyria. We're going to serve the Lord. The Lord is going to be our master. We're going to give our tithes and offerings to the Lord, not to Assyria, to our enemies. And he rebelled against Assyria, and God gave him victory. He, uh, he defeated Assyria, Philistines, and God increased his border, the land that they had. You see, God blessed them. And if you... Commit your life to the Lord completely and stay consistent. There'll come a time. It might not be fast. It might, it might not be over, overnight. But God is going to bless you. And it will make you to be prospered and successful in life spiritually. And um, I'm going to finish with this illustration of 
Frank Jenner, who was a short man in Australia, he, he was drug, uh, not drug addict, uh, he was addicted to alcohol. He was drinking alcohol and he became homeless. He lost everything in his life and, and at, he got, and then he heard, somebody invited him to, to church and imagine how embarrassing that would have been for him to go to church and the person who brought this alcohol addicted person to church and probably many people rebuked him for bringing this kind of person to church. So he came to church and he got saved. He heard the gospel, got saved, and he went home and the Lord transformed his life. He delivered him from addiction and, uh, and he committed him, his life to the Lord. He said, Lord, you have been good to me. You changed my life. You saved me from hell and you delivered me from this addiction that I had. I want to serve you. I want to give 10 tracks a day. Would you use me? And he started doing that. He said sometimes he, he missed um, giving tracks because he got sick or something happened that he wasn't able to, but he was able to make it up another day. So Frank Jenner was going on George Street in Sydney. George Street is a street that um, it's downtown, and you see all kinds of people, Indians and Asians and uh, Arabs and uh, all kinds of people you meet there. And in fact, we were going there a lot uh, while I was in Sydney. We were going to George Street a lot to hand out tracts and to witness the people. So he was there on George Street handing out tracts for, for, for years. And um, so uh, one preacher, Baptist preacher in London, he was preaching in a conference. And after the preaching, uh, people were sharing their testimonies, how they got saved. And one pastor stood up and he shared his testimony. He said how he traveled to Australia one day to Sydney. And he was walking on George Street. This short man came and he gave him this tract. He said, sir... Can I ask you a question? If you would die tonight or sometime, would you be sure of going to heaven? And uh, he gave him tract as well, but he said that made me think. I couldn't, I was just bothered about that question. Am I sure of going to heaven? No, I don't think so. He went back home to England and he spoke to his youth pastor and youth pastor told him how he can be sure of going to heaven. He got saved. This London Baptist preacher traveled to India one day, and he was preaching to thousands of people there, and this Indian missionary invited him over for dinner, so he went there to have fellowship and dinner together, and this Baptist preacher asked Indian a preacher, a missionary, how he got saved. He said he used to be a Hindu, uh, from religion of Hindu, but also he was an ambassador. He had the privilege to travel overseas uh, to many countries. He said he, he traveled to Sydney, Australia uh, one day, and he wanted to go to do last-minute last shopping for his family. So he went to George Street, and he, as he was walking there, and he, this short man came out of the blue, and he said, Sir, can I ask you a question? If you would die tonight or sometime, would you be sure of going to heaven? He said, I was struck with that question. He gave me track, and I, I went home, Back to India, and he went to his Hindu priest. He said, can you tell me how I can be sure of going to heaven? He said, well, nobody's sure of going to heaven. I, I, don't, I don't think I can answer that question. He said, there's American missionary down the road. Maybe go and talk to him. Maybe he might have some ideas. So he went to talk to this American missionary there in India, and this American missionary led him to the Lord. So this London preacher, he was traveling everywhere, and and preaching everywhere, and he, was, he kept hearing about these people getting saved through this 
short man on George Street, short man on George Street. He's hearing this everywhere. And one day he happened to be in Sydney preaching in a conference. And, and after the preaching, he said, uh, can anybody tell me if there is this man, short man on George Street who's handing out tracts? He said, yes, yes, you're talking about Frank, Frank Jenner. He's not doing that anymore. He's too old. And he's, uh, he said, can you take me to him? I want to go and see him. So they took him and, uh, to, to his uh, home, and he knocked on the door, and Frank Jenner walked out. And uh, so he introduced himself, who he is, how he's traveling overseas, everywhere, and preaching the gospel, and how he's hearing about people, uh, how they've been saved through his ministry. And uh, he said, you, you've, you have led so many people to the Lord, I want to say thank you. And he started to cry. He shed tears. He said, I've done this, I did this for 40 years, and I never saw any single person come to Christ. He started crying, and this pastor um, did investigation, and, uh, and he called those people who, who were saved through this man's ministry, short man on George Street. 160,000 people have been saved through his ministry. He didn't know anything about it. He was consistent, commit, committed to the Lord completely. He did it for 40 years, seeing no fruit. Would you do that for 40 years, seeing no fruit in your ministry? He did it, and he saw it just two weeks before he went home to be with the Lord. He, he heard it, how people had been saved. He was just rejoicing. He rested in peace. He was short man, nobody insignificant in this life. You know, alcoholic one day. Nobody knew about him, but he's in heaven now, walking on that street of gold, and many people know him. He's famous probably in heaven, and he, so many people have been saved through his ministry because he was committed to the Lord completely, and he was consistent. And the Lord will bless you, and he'll reward you if you commit your life to the Lord completely and stay consistent. He will do it. He's done it to me this 14 years that I've been saved, and I've been committed to the Lord completely, and so far, by God's grace, consistent, he has blessed me with family, and He has provided everything that I need. I lack nothing, and He has blessed me through ministry. I go everywhere, uh, and I present the gospel, and people get saved, and I'm rejoicing. That's, that's a reward. When I see people calling on Jesus' name, repenting, uh, they come to the altar with tears in their eyes. When I preach in Armenia, my family members came there from Iran. They traveled to Armenia to see me. And uh, my sisters, after three days of preaching, I saw them with tears in their eyes. They came to the altar. They repented. They called on Jesus' name. And uh, they said, we want, we want to become Christians. We don't want Islam anymore. This is powerful. Jesus is the Lord. It, it's a blasphemy to call Jesus the Lord. But when you preach the gospel, the word of God is powerful. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. The, the sinners will repent. That's that's a reward. I, I love to see that more and more. And uh, so let's be committed to the Lord completely and stay consistent. Amen? Amen. So let's uh, have an invitation. Pastor is going to come to close and give an invitation. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.